Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 8. I want to read one verse out of that passage, and then we'll spend the majority of our time in Galatians chapter 5. So if you're taking notes, I know you follow along on the app. You know we are are kicking off a brand new series called Soul Care. Somebody say Soul Care. And this is the first installment of over the next five weeks, we're going to be taking a deep dive down into the depths of our soul. Mm. Now, intuitively, we know that the soul is important, do we not? Well, we, we know that. We, we don't always live in that way, but, but down deep inside, we know that, that the value of the soul is irreplaceable. How many of you remember there was a series of books that came out, really popular back in the early 90s, Chicken Soup for the What? How many of you have one of those books on your shelf? Oh, yeah. Those were inspirational stories of everyday, ordinary people going through extraordinary circumstances, and they compiled it into a book, and it was like chicken soup. It was just mm mm-mm good. And we know that our soul needs it. In fact, they went all in. Whoever created Chicken Soup for the Soul went all in, and there's a series of books. They have Chicken Soup for the Soul uh, for the baseball fan's soul, Chicken Soup for the baseball fan's soul. Somebody say, go Tigers. They have chicken soup for the coffee lover's soul. How many coffee lovers do we have in the house? Would it disappoint you if I told you that your pastor has never had a cup of coffee? True story. Y'all pray for me. Y'all just pray for me right now. Never tasted coffee. Uh, They have a, a chicken soup for the teacher's soul. How many teachers do we have in the house? Come on, everybody say, God bless all the teachers. Amen. You need some chicken soup for your soul this school year. They also have chicken soup for the NASCAR soul. Did you know that was a thing? Any NASCAR fans among us? Yeah, the rowdy bunch. I like it. They have chicken soup for the dieter's soul. The dieter's soul. Yeah, how many's not reading that one? No, no, we don't want chicken soup in our dieting soul. We want canes. We, we want Chick-fil-A. Come on, man. We, okay, let me stop right there. Also, I came across this. They have chicken soup for the cat lover's soul. I think that book is discontinued. Uh, uh, if you love cats, God bless you. God bless you and your little furry friends. You know, I saw Tim Hawkins talk about this uh, recently. You know, as parents, we kind of say a bedtime prayer over our children. Some of you, your parents prayed this over you. Now I lay me down to sleep. You know, you think about it, it's, it's kind of a creepy prayer. You know, imagine being five years old and it's dark You're in your room, and your parent walks alongside the bed and prays that prayer over you. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul, 
to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul today. Sweet dreams. God bless you. Good night. See you in the morning. Hopefully. We talk about the soul, but when the scripture refers to the soul, what's Jesus referring to? We're going to look at that over the next five weeks. We got to identify what is our soul and how do we even care for it? Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 8, and this is going to be the anchor verse for our entire series. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this in verse 36, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Now, notice he's talking about gaining and losing. We live in a culture that's all about acquiring. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? He goes on to say in verse 37, is anything worth more than your soul? Of all the things that we value in this world, Jesus is trying to remind us that we need to elevate the value and priority we put on our souls. You know, there's, there, really, you can see in this single passage two different worlds. There's an outside world, and then there's an inside world. And if we're not careful, we'll spend a lot of time focusing on externals. You know, the outside world has to do with our appearance. The outside world has to do with our reputation. Uh, the outside world has to do with material possessions and maybe our achievements. And there's nothing wrong with possessions, our achievements, our appearances. But we got to be very careful that we don't elevate the outside world and neglect the inside world. Jesus said, what benefit is it to you if you reach all of your goals, if you have an amazing reputation, if you're wildly successful in every area of your life, but you lose where it matters most, your inside world? You see, we're going to shift our focus to what's happening inside of us. The inside world is your motives, your attitudes your soul, the very deepest part of yourself. Now, now, let me be quick to say that outside success, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't be successful outside and be bankrupt inside. You see, as your, as your pastor, as a spiritual family, we owe it to look at what's happening on the inside of us. We all know what happens when you succeed externally, but you fail internally. We, we've seen it in Hollywood. You see it in professional sports. You, you, you see it in politicians. You, you, you see it in business people. You even see it in church. You can check all the boxes of what the world says is successful. But if you fail internally, your world collapses. God wants us to live from the inside out and not the outside in. Can I have a better amen? amen. 
And this series is going to help us put priority where it matters most. Now, let me ask you this question. Why is the soul so important? Why is your soul so important? Because it's eternal. Your soul is the one thing that will last forever. You know, if if you don't begin to think in terms of eternity, you won't value the soul like you should. An unhealthy soul will produce an unhealthy life. Let me tell you, if there's something toxic or, or, or malnourished or anemic in your soul, it will bleed into every area of your life. I'll tell you this. What is on you will destroy you if what's in you can't sustain you. Can, can I say that again? That was a mouthful. You need, listen to this. You may need to write that down. Meditate on this because I know we've got a lot of talent, a lot of ability. There's a lot of natural gifting. And man, sometimes we can run 100 miles an hour being successful externally. But the gift, <clears throat> excuse me, the gift on you will destroy you if the character inside of you can't sustain you. And, and, and what Jesus wants us as believers to focus on is the health of our soul. We live in a chaotic world. It pulls us in many different directions. I, I get it. Between jobs and bills and spouse and children and, and, and friendships and, and our own physical health. I mean, it, it's easy to get pulled in so many different directions. And Lord, we care about you, but God, I'm spending all of my energy and resource tending to the outside. And it's easy to neglect what God is doing on the inside. In fact, I... I read this recently, and I thought this was a powerful picture. But farmers in the Midwest, they used to take a rope, and they would tie that rope from the back of their house all the way to the barn. Okay, I want you to consider this. Farmers in the Midwest used to take a rope and tie it from the back of their house to the barn at the first sight of a blizzard. When blizzards would move across the Midwest and snow, there would be so much snow, it was like a whiteout. I mean, you couldn't see in front of you. And so many times they heard stories of people dying in their yards during a blizzard. They were so close to home, but they had no idea where they were going. And so they would go from the barn to the house guided by that rope. Come on, are you with me? And sometimes you you get this blizzard happening in your life where you can't even see what's in front of you. And you're so close to home, but you're caught in a storm. And if you don't have a rope of hope, come on, somebody. You see, the word of God is the rope that gives us hope. For some of you, it is chaos right now in your world. I get that. You know, life is busy. There's a lot of cares, a lot of concern. But God's word to you through this series will be a rope that you can grab a hold of. And it'll get you from the barn back inside the house. Come on, the storm around you doesn't have to be inside of you. Can I have a good amen? Soul care. For the next several weeks, we're going to talk about stress. Anybody need to hear a message about stress? Anybody cortisol levels really high right now? We're going to talk about stress. We'll talk about burnout. Uh, we're going to, in this series, take a deep dive on depression. 
I want to remove the stigma sometimes that's associated with mental health issues. We're going to talk about anxiety and fear. We're going to talk about the importance of rhythm and having rest in your life. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. I am not a mental health expert. I'm not. I'm a pastor, and I love this book. I believe that God has given us things in his word to address some stuff. In fact, everything that you need, you'll be able to find. It's spoken of in some way, shape, or form in the scriptures. But in our preparation for this series, we invited licensed professional Christian counselors to look at this and to speak into so I believe, and for the next few moments, we're going to unpack some things about who we are, how God created us, and why it's so important to address every area of our soul. In fact, if you look up the word soul in the Greek New Testament, it's the word psyche. It's the same word that we get for psychology. That word soul appears 105 times in the New Testament. I want you to consider this. God is a trinity. And we don't talk about doctrinally the trinity a lot, but we see the three expressions of our one God all throughout Scripture. We know God as a father. We see God as the son. And we see God as the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's called the trinity. Father, Son, Spirit. Do you know that you and I are a trinity as well. And this makes sense because the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that we are made in the image of God. In other words, when God created you, there's something in you that resembles the Godhead. We are made in his image. How many of you know that, that he made us? We didn't make ourselves. So if he designs us, he defines us. The world's trying to redefine a whole lot of things. But guess what? They didn't design it. So they can't change the definition of it. God is Trinity, and we are made in his image. And so I want you to consider this. We are biological, psychological, and spiritual beings. Okay? We are biological, psychological, and spiritual beings. Now, check this out. There's, a, there's an image I want to put on this screen so you can see. In fact, here it is. Biology, that, that's our bodies. We are biopsycho-spiritual beings. Again, made in the image of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There are certain parts that make up who we are. We have a physical body psychological. That is our soul, our psyche. When I'm talking about soul, I mean your mind, your will, and your emotions. The very deepest part of you, okay? And then we're spiritual beings, okay? And I want you to see how this is, is, is scaled here. Biological, that represents Jesus. Consider this. Jesus is the visible expression of an invisible God. Jesus was God in the flesh. So in our bodies, uh, as, as it relates to this trinity, this pattern that God has, has shaped us into because we're made in his image, our physical bodies represent Jesus, the visible image of an invisible God. Our soul, our psychological side, represents the Father. He is the invisible center of it all. And our spirit represents the Holy Spirit, 
who regenerates us and makes all things new. Are you catching this? I want to establish this first before we get into the text in Galatians chapter 5. But I want you to see that your bodies are the hardware and your soul is the software. Your bodies are physical. You know, we're, we're earthly vessels. One day we will lay these bodies down. But listen, your soul will last forever. Now check this out. Salvation addresses every part of our makeup. There's this word called justification. That represents the Holy Spirit who regenerates us and makes us new. When you say yes to Jesus, his spirit comes inside of you and transforms your spirit. It's spirit to spirit, and he makes all things new. That's justification. So when you stand before God, he sees the blood of Jesus that covers you and transforms you, and it's just as if justification, just as if I had never sinned or messed up. Justification is his spirit redeeming and transforming our spirit. Now, sanctification, I know this is big and we're going to get, I'm trying to get through this, but I want to lay this foundation. Justification is his spirit transforming our spirit. Sanctification, now that's where the soul comes in because our soul, which is our mind, it's our emotions, and it's our desires, our soul needs a lot of work. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Now, you may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. This is where you and I are a work in progress. How many of you need a whole lot of work? How many know somebody or relate to somebody that needs a whole lot of work? Don't point to anybody right now. Sanctification has to do with renewing our thoughts with transforming our desires. Come on, it's, it's taking our feelings and surrendering them. We may feel one way, but we don't always act on those feelings. Do you see? That's the work, the ongoing work that will happen every day of our lives until Jesus comes. Justification is our spirit. Sanctification is our soul. Glorification is our body. Glorification. You say, why is that? Because one day, you and I, if the Lord tarries, we will breathe our very last. And they will take these bodies, as fine and as sharp and as chiseled as they are. <laughs> you know, Paul said, our bodies now disappoint us. And every time I read that, I'm like, yes, Lord, I understand that one. The older I get, the more that verse means to me. One day we will lay these bodies down. But the scripture says when the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns, he's going to call those dead bodies up out of the ground and we will have our glorified bodies. Come on, I see Ken Falgu here. He's my trainer. Ken, I think God saw fit to give Ken my glorified body here on earth. When I get to heaven, I want to look like that. You see, so now we're talking about body, soul, and spirit. Is this helping anyone? Okay, I, I, I'm, I don't want to give you too much, but i got to lay this foundation first because you need to know this. God cares about every part of your being. He cares about the stewardship of your body. He cares about the sanctification of your soul, and he sent his spirit inside of you to redeem your spirit. He cares about all of it. Now, Galatians 5, let me give you this. This is, a, this is where I want to spend the rest of our time together. The Apostle Paul talks about, he gives us two lists in this passage, and he describes what a healthy soul looks like 
and what an unhealthy soul would look like. Are you ready? Here we go. Galatians 5.19. Paul says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. How many of you exhausted yet? Uh, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is giving us a picture of what an unhealthy soul will produce. But he also gives us on the heels of that what a healthy soul looks like. He says in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their old sinful nature to his cross, and they've crucified them there. And finally, he says in verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Can I have a good amen? Do you see this this comparison, this contrast Unhealthy soul produces unhealthy things, but a healthy soul will yield things that will bless not only you, but everybody around you. There's fruit that's growing from each life. And you know what? If you want to evaluate the fruit, you got to look down into the roots. How many know that the roots are connected to the fruits? And so here's here's what Paul is telling us when it comes to tending to the soil of our own souls. If you're taking notes, write this down. He's asking us, number one, to look at our position. Somebody say position. Really, next to that, write out this question. Where am I planted? Where am I planted? For your soul to produce good fruit, you've got to be planted in the right place. Your environment is critical to what's being produced in your life. Can I tell you this? You and I, we need to be planted in God's word. We need to be planted in God's house. We need to be planted with God's people. I think where you lay down roots is extremely important. And I know it's not popular, especially in this day. You know, ever since COVID, people have established different habits. And, you know, church attendance now is not what it was even three or four years ago. And I think that's part of the plan of the enemy is to displace us and to get us kind of isolated and then vulnerable. You know, when I said yes to Jesus, I gave him my whole life. And when I said yes to the Lord, I said yes to a family. I said yes, not to just the Lord Jesus, but to his body. And God knows that you and I need to be planted in good soil in order to produce good fruit. Can I tell you this? Church is good for your soul. 
Come on, hum at me. Mm. Church, your soul needs the body of Christ. Now, the devil wants you to, to, to believe that you don't need church. I've heard it said, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you know what? That's true. But if you're truly a Christian, you'll want to be in church. Because you're going to love what he loves. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't care about the church. Can I tell you, I know what that feels like. I've experienced church hurt. I went through a season in my life where I never lost faith in God, but I didn't trust the institution of church. And so I removed myself for a season. And guess what? My soul began to suffer. You see, the enemy would love to take disappointment, offense, a wound, bitterness, and separate you from the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is his body. You can't decapitate the body and say, well, I just love the head. Right? Because Jesus loves the body. He died for the body. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Who's building this thing? Jesus. Who does this thing belong to? Jesus. If the Lord himself would lay down his life, if the Lord himself is the architect and builder of the church, then it says something to you and me. We need to be committed. We need to be connected. Why? Because soil that's enriched will produce a soul that bears good fruit. Now, let me say this. I feel so strongly in my spirit to say this because I, I know that, that a church our size, we've had all different kinds of experiences. And in church, we've had some amazing moments. And maybe some of you have had some very difficult moments. I see that. I, I sense that in my soul. And I'm sorry for any pain that you've experienced in any house of worship. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect churches. Guess what? There are no perfect families. I've had a lot of pain in my own family. Guess what? I'm still a part of it by blood. You got to work through some things. You know, sometimes I have a tendency to think about the pain, all the pain that others have caused me. Then I want to distance myself, and the Lord has to remind me, wait a second. What about the pain that you've caused somebody else? Oh, well, I, I would never do that on purpose. Yes. And maybe the pain that you experienced, it, they didn't even realize what they had done or what they had said. Uh, listen to me. If most of your hurt comes through relationships, most of your healing will come through relationships as well. You see, God wants to use the body to bring healing to the body. So I, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 24, the scripture says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. No, we got to commit and connect so we can encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can I tell you this? It's not going to get any easier in the world. I mean, times are tough and they're only getting tougher. You say, Pastor, can you share some good news? <laughs> but please tell us the good stuff. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm, can you be more positive, Pastor? Please be a little more positive. I am positive. Times are tough, and it's, I'm positive they're only getting tougher, all right? But the truth is we need the body of Christ. Your soul needs good soil. And, you know, and, 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 and if, you, 
If you disconnect from the body, your soul is going to suffer. Paul says, be in a good place. Where are you planted? That will determine what you're producing. Number one, position. Number two, perspective. Perspective. Paul says that we need to ask ourselves, what am I producing? You see, verses 19 and 20 and 21 in Galatians 5, it shows what it looks like to gain the whole world, but to lose your own soul. This is what gaining the world looks like and losing out on your soul. It's the symptoms of an unhealthy soul. And so part of this series, I want it to, to be as a, almost like a flashing red light. Uh, maybe it's like the, the instrument panel of your life. I want you to see this check engine light go off and create a little self-awareness. I think it's important we do some self-inventory. You know, we, we were in prayer all this week, and, and we, I was leaving morning prayer. I think it was Thursday, and, and I was walking through this, this exit right here, and on my way out, I saw Zach and Amanda Bordas. Man, what a great couple. I had a quick conversation with them on my way out, and he, he looked back. He said, Pastor, look at that sign that, that's over this entrance right here. I looked at it, and it said, auditorium entrance, auditorium. He said, you know what the root word for auditorium is? Audit. Audit. You know, and then the suffix, I-U-M, that's the place or the setting in which a function is carried out, like a stadium, you know, a podium. You know, so this becomes the setting, this auditorium becomes the setting where we are audited. Are, are you with me? Are you catching this? What is an audit? Well, it's an evaluation. An audit is a measure of accountability. Sometimes people skip church because they don't want to do a spiritual audit. Mm, it's getting quiet in here. Hey, listen, I thought about this. You know, in, in our bathroom, we had this scale, okay? And this scale, it was a beautiful scale. It was acrylic. It had chrome. Man, it was digital. It was nice. It matched the decor of the bathroom. And so I went to stand on that scale a while back, and nothing happened. I'm like, well, what? I said, babe, what's the deal? Is the scale broken? She said, no. I took the battery out. <laughs> I said, well, the scale is useless then. Now, it looks good, but how many know it's got a different function than just looks? It's an audit it's a scale that measures some things. Sometimes, come on, you know where I'm going with this. You know, what's funny is Trevor took the scale, put a little battery in it, and now he's got it in his bathroom. He's checking his gains. Man, I'm making gains. Sometimes we don't want to step on the scale because we're afraid of what we might find out. But if our soul is going to be healthy, we've got to examine the soil that we're in. And then we've got to do an audit from time to time and say, man, is... Is this good? Do I need to make some changes? What adjustments need to happen in my heart in order for me to be healthy? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He said, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. The challenge for us in this series is to be honest with where we are and what's happening in our soul. Pay attention to the different parts 
of your soul. Somebody, you may be here and you may be a great dad, but you're struggling as a husband. Maybe somebody here, man, you're killing it at business. Man, your business is succeeding, but maybe your family is suffering. All of us have different roles that we play, and we've got to evaluate where are we struggling Pay attention to that, and how can we improve that? Are you with me? Somebody say position. Say perspective. Say process. Here's the last thing, and I want to ask the band to come up and and help me as we wrap this up. Here's the question. How am I cultivating the soil of my soul? How am I cultivating the soil of my soul? It's the Holy Spirit that's going to produce good fruit. The presence of of the Spirit produces good fruit. But you and I have the responsibility to tend to the soil. Say, Mike, what does that mean? Spiritual disciplines. Got to get in the dirt. Got to get dirty. And we got to dig. We got to water. We got to fertilize. We got to pull some weeds. Come on. How many know you can't let weeds choke the life out of your own soul? Got to tend to this. Got to pay attention to this. Uh, Getting in the word of God. Going over the scriptures. Letting the word begin to shape how we think. Surrendering our feelings and our emotions. Lord, your word is what produces life. God, I'm surrendered to that. Times in prayer, fasting. Those are spiritual disciplines. When you spend time in, in worship. I mean, it's, it speaks to the emotional side of our, our soul. Uh, Lord, I, I, I trust you. I declare your goodness, God. I lift up my voice. I lift up my heart. I lift up my hands. All of these things, it's a part of the process. Now, over the next month, as we unpack some specifics, I know today has kind of been like an overview. But over the next several weeks, as you do an audit, you may discover some things in your life that are unhealthy. And if that's the case, we want to help you. In fact, I talked to my team, I've talked to the staff, and man, we want to go all in so this church is healthy. The soul of this house, I want it to be healthy. I want your family, your marriage, your children to be healthy. God forbid we succeed at externals, but we're bankrupt where it matters the most. There is a book that we have in our cafe across all of our campuses. This book is available. It's one of the best reads out there, other than the scriptures. Man, the Bible is our foundation. But this is a great supplemental read. It's called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. John Ortberg is one of my favorite authors. Knowledgeable, practical, spiritual. This is a fantastic read to help you and equip you as you tend to your soul. Also, we have a class. Healing Place College, Colleen and the team, we put together a class called Soul Keeping. And the information is there. You can sign up for that and be a part. I don't know if it's maybe 10 weeks, 8 to 10 weeks. But it's a, in this fall, as it's coordinated with our, our Sunday services, you're going to be able to drill down on some specific areas in your life. You're going to be educated. You're going to be informed. And you're going to be empowered to tend to your soul. Some of you are maybe going to want to talk to a pastor. You're like, hey, this is my church. I'm I'm, I'm hurting in an area of my life. I want to sit down and unpack some things. If that's you, we would love 
to sit down with you, uh, to encourage you, to listen to you, to pray for you, and to point you in the right direction. If you want to meet with one of our pastors or one of our staff, listen, we're a spiritual family. And I, I, I just, I'm convinced that whatever you're walking through, somebody in this church has either walked through that exact same thing or maybe something very similar. And the help that they've received from God is not just for them, but that help that came to them is also to bring value to you and your journey. If you want to sit down and talk with somebody, that's available to you as well. Jesus said, what does it profit a man? If you went out there, but you lose in here. Horatio Spafford was a successful businessman and attorney in Chicago in the 1800s, the late 1800s. Had a lot of real estate holdings. Man had money on top of money. Man, God had blessed him. And then tragedy struck. His son died of scarlet fever at four years of age. And then the great fires, the great Chicago fires in the 1870s broke out, and he lost just about every real estate holding he owned. His son passed away. He found himself in a difficult place financially. He needed some time away. So he told his wife and his daughters, put them on a boat, and they were crossing the Atlantic. They were just going to take several weeks and and just unplug. He had to stay home and tie up some loose ends. So his wife and his four daughters, they left. Nine days later, Horatio received a telegram that said two words, saved alone. You see, the boat that they were on collided with another boat in the Atlantic, and in 12 minutes, 226 people on that boat died. Anna, his wife, lost all four of her daughters in that shipwreck. She was knocked unconscious, but she was propped up by some debris of that ship that had broken up, and that was the only thing that saved her life. She reached back to her husband and said, saved alone, lost her whole family. Horatio boarded a ship the next day to go comfort his bereaved wife. And as he's crossing the Atlantic, in the very place where that boat went down, he penned these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God, you have taught me to say, it is well it is well with my soul. You know, we sing that song, but we have no idea the pain that that came from. And it may not be well with your circumstances, but I promise you, it can be well with your soul. Is it well with your soul today? Is it well with your soul? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.